So I just want to be obedient, and as I was standing there in the back, specifically, I want to speak to those that might be visiting or are not used to this type of worship and hearing about angels and something of a buffalo in, a, in heaven and things like that. I just felt something in my heart drop um, that you might be looking in, and because of the strangeness or the differentness of what you are experiencing, it might blur a little bit your vision of actually what is going on. And I felt specifically a question that you might be asking yourself and saying, is this true? Is the right? Is this true how these people are wild and going crazy for the Lord? Is this the way it should be? Shouldn't church be tame? But I want to encourage you that I believe that the Lord says there's something in you that tells you that it is true. That it is true. The scripture speaks about that God has placed eternity in man's heart. And I just want to encourage you that the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be authentic, supposed to be real, it's supposed to be a little bit messy, order, but messy, and it's sometimes out of our box. And I believe God wants to say that, that thing that you just question mark, that he wants to put his stamp of approval and say, this is my people. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for myself, <laughs> just as you know, we go into this message, God, that we would see Jesus, yeah, our Lord, as we come together, if we're on a coffee shop, if we're on our community groups, if we are um, speaking to you in the mornings, God, that there will be a sense of Christ with us, the hope of glory. Amen. So can you believe it? It is the first Sunday of December. We are here. We've made it. Some of you are saying, oh my head, it's December. Others of you are like, praise the Lord, it's December. Um, and I love Decembers. I think the whole of South Africa loves Decembers. And there's something of an excitement in the atmosphere when it comes to this festive season. And I do actually think for the Christians in our midst, it is actually a season of opportunity. Why? Because it's a season of a lot of time of being refreshed in the Lord, where we can spend a lot of time with Him, fresh manner, and you can't really have that excuse, I'm too busy, because everything goes slower and slower in December. Even if you go to Checkers, the Tanya at the Till, like slowly goes through your stuff. Everything is just rustig in December. And I, and I really think for all of us, there is an opportunity to take hold of more of God in this festive season. But I do think every time where there is an opportunity to take hold of God, there's actually opposition likewise. And I wrote down a couple of things because I do believe the church is actually very vulnerable during a holiday season. So this message is more to prep us for the season to come because of the vulnerability and uh, in a sense, there is a danger for us to go into a holiday. Because as you know, there's a slothful spirit, they call it the spirit of duvet, um, that comes over the church, especially during this time, that you just become lazy and we drop our gods, actually. There's a lot of freedom in holiday and you can do with whatever you want with the time, but we know when freedom comes into play, we know that sometimes we fall back into old habits, old bad habits, that there's a sense of 
that sin is just watching you in the eye, and you're just watching that thing, and you're like, don't make eye contact. We can't do this again in December, and we can't fall back into that thing again, and let me just stay strong during this time. And I've I've thought about some of you might see Stellenbosch almost as your safe haven, that when you're here, you're with the people of God, you can get to community, you can get to Sundays, you can have a coffee with one of your leaders, but when it comes to holiday season, you go back to your family, and it's actually a difficult season for you. And if you're honest with yourself, it is sometimes a little bit you want to run away from home when it comes to some of our family dynamics. When we confront, in a sense, the things that we've been hiding away from in holiday season, now we need to confront that again in our own households. And others of you or us might be looking in 2024 and we just get gripped by anxiety because there's more question marks than actually answers and that might be any one of us so i want to read us a scripture and the title of my my message is to stay alert stay alert 1 peter 5 verse 8 and 9 says the following i'm going to read it as the bible says with an exclamation mark stay alert Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Peter is writing here to a group of churches who is under intense persecution. They are suffering for for God and he's telling them, stand firm in the season. And I know for many of us as we go to a holiday and in our families, it's not persecution as they had it to die for their faith. But for some of us, it might feel like that. The comments coming our ways. Maybe you might have family members that actually is resistant, even your own parents that's resisting God. And it's difficult to stand when we're faced with that. Some of you might get faced with um, not only uh, family members, but old friends. And there's that pure pressure just comes again. And there's just that loosening of, of freedom that comes about. And we, oh, it's just difficult to stand before God in front of these people. And I do believe there's a, a warning, but also encouragement for us in God to just stay alert. Just keep our eyes on Jesus. Just look to him. Take time and take the opportunity and take hold of this holiday to grow in God. I believe there's many stories as we, in a sense, infiltrate the, the unsaved world, that there's many stories that can come and testimonies can come from this time because we have more time to be with Jesus. We have more times to witness. We have more times to just be with God. But in this portion, Peter writes, and he uses this illustration of a lion, okay? I don't know if you, anybody has seen a lion before. They're awesome. But in this sense, he's not speaking about the Lion of Judah, okay, Jesus, but he's speaking about actually Satan being a lion. And lions are extremely, extremely cute behind big fences, and they throw them a choppy, and it's like, oh, it's fun. And then you get face to face with a lion, and you're like, game over. And I, I don't know if, about you guys, but I love National Geographic. Like, I love to watch Diclane Bocky eating his 
grass and how the ants build the tower and all of those type of things. It's fun to watch. So what I did is I went to go and look at a documentary of how lions hunt. Because Peter is writing and he has something in mind when he is writing this about a lion. And he's describing, the, in a sense, the behavior of a lion and he's connecting that to Satan. So let's see how lions hunt. So firstly, lions actually is always in a group. Every now and then they will hunt alone, but they are the only, in a sense, grouping of the cat species that strategically hunt together. So when you get Satan, you get a couple of demons, okay? It's never alone. So the first thing that happens with lions is they start off and looking at a herd of buffalo, they look. They just look. They look at them, they watch them, they study them. And what they are looking for is actually gaps. They're looking for weaknesses. They're looking for opportunity. And they just patiently wait. Because this, the time is not ready to attack yet, but they just patiently wait and observe this group of buffalo. But then what happens is, as time goes on and they see a gap and they see a weakness, they go for a weak one, um, in the herd, and they're extremely strategic about this. Very strategically, they isolate one of the weaker buffaloes. They don't do it alone, so they do it in a pack. Usually one goes on the one hand, other one goes on that side, and both of them would be actually a distraction for the male to actually, that is like, I don't know, it was American, so it's 100 pounds. It's like 60, 70 kilograms heavier than the lady um, lions and would jump on them and, and, and then attack. But they didn't always, only bring them into isolation, and I wrote down here something interesting that I heard that the person that did the documentary, they called that little buffalo, the isolated one, the loner. It was interesting. So the loner buffalo that is isolated in that moment, they won't immediately attack that buffalo, they will isolate them and start to tire them out. They would bite him, they would attack a little bit here, they would run with him to tire him out. And over time, the buffalo can't even run anymore, and all of a sudden, at the opportune time, they will attack and take them down. And ultimately bite them in the neck, and then suffocate the buffalo to death. The enemy is looking at Joshua Generation Church. We are very much in a war. We very much, there's a spiritual reality beyond us. And we should actually be quite aware of it. Because the Bible makes it very clear that we have an enemy and that we should stand firm and be alert. But the enemy, what he is busy doing is throughout the year, he is just observing. For many of you, it might feel like attacking throughout this year. But there is very much an observing continually where there is gaps in the church. Oh, you offended. Back pocket. Oh, that undealt sin. Let's just keep it there. Holiday is coming. And all of a sudden, when the opportune time comes, isolation happens and the enemy tries to pull you aside. We should never get isolated. Christianity is not a one-man sport. God did not design us that way to be loners. Amen? So we need to be aware of the schemes of the enemy. Because in the holiday season, just like the buffalo that he ties them out... It's almost like that slothfulness that just comes about. That he throws different 
temptations, different comments at your direction, different insults through friends. Oh, you're one of those Christians now. No, no. How do you know your faith is real? And all of a sudden, he just isolates. And when you're at your weakest, he strikes with something. Might not be that you're dead after the holiday. Might be. (laughs) But definitely a lot of injuries can take place in that time. Wilma Ray used to say, um, he passed away about two years ago, he said, you might be in the faith, but are you still in the fight? Many of us, and even most of us in this room, is full on in the faith. That you are a Christian, you believe in Jesus Christ, but are you still in the fight? Or are we dropping our guards and letting it go and like, yeah, but it's holiday, I'll resume my Christianity in January when work starts again. I'll resume again because then I'm back at Josh Jen. Because Christianity is all about Josh Jen, right? No, it's about God. And continually growing in Him and continually living for Him. Yes, He has placed us in a family, but to live for Him. Galatians 5, and I love this scripture, um, two verses. 16, verse 16 and verse 25 says the following. But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the next one, verse 25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Who's going to the beach this holiday? Okay? All 50 of you. Okay? I don't know when you were younger. I remember when I was a little chokerki. I was always small, big head, like physical. Physical big head. That's I believe that's why I was fast. Momentum carried me forward. <laughs> but when I, when I went to the beach, we ran around and did a lot of crazy stuff and looked for, I don't know, those, I don't know what you call those things. Um, blow, blo- blow blossies. Then you poke them. It's quite funny. Um, what is that in English? Uh, what? Yes. <laughs> yeah, blue bottle. Yeah. Anyway. But as you, as you go about and you're playing on the beach and you're going all over the show, you start to see footprints. But it's usually adult footprints and you have like these tiny feet and you go put it in that footprint. And then what you try to do, you try to keep up with the big footprints. But firstly, it's like super small. So you try to step in the middle of it. And then you go like, Ugh. and then you go, Ugh. and I believe that is a picture of us walking in the spirit. Why? Because sometimes it would actually feel uncomfortable. It won't feel normal in the beginning. As you're trying to find the next step and you're stepping into it, it feels contrary to the flesh. It feels contrary to your normal way of walking because that is the way of the spirit. It's different and contrary to our normal way of living. Sometimes your flesh will cry and say, I will not wake up early today. And then God says, you don't have to. And then you sleep late. And then all of a sudden, then you can have time to spend time with the Lord. And then you're like, ah, but I don't know, hey. And then you get your Cocoa Pops or whatever you eat in the morning. And then life starts to happen. And that is normal fleshly behavior. But God is calling us to a different standard in a different way to get to Him and to keep in step, to keep our eyes on Him. And especially in the time when we have time at hand. So are you keeping in step with the Spirit now already? Still with me? So 
I want to tell you guys a story, and it's the first time that I stole something. And I think it's the first time. The first time that I could remember I stole something. I was probably little, you stole your, I don't know, your sisters, everything, and yeah. So, just sibling rivalry. But I was about, probably about eight, maybe nine years, but I think about eight years old. My parents had a business function thing on, and they said, um, we are quite in a hurry. We're going to quickly drop you off in front of spa, run in. My dad loves giving responsibility, and then I grow as a little boy. Key. And he said, go buy four hot dog buns. Okay, we have Vienna's at home, four hot dog buns, two for you, two for your sister. I still remember it because I have trauma of this whole event. And go in, buy it, we'll meet you at the parking lot at the back. There was one entrance and then another entrance at the back. And they gave me 10 rand. I ran, yes, this was about 39 years ago. It was not long ago. I don't think four buns cost 10 rand still today. It's probably less, no. Um, why did you guys say, whoa? Anyway, so I went, I went to get the four buns, and then I went to the different cashiers, and I looked at where is the best queue to stand in, because I'm all about productivity and being effective, and which, the, which will be the quickest one, and each one of them had like six, seven, eight people in the rows. It was like peak time, a truckload of people all over, and I started to panic. I made up this plan that I'm going to take the 10 rand, I'm going to put it in one of the the red spar, what do you call it, buckies, thingies, baskets, put it in there, I'm going to walk out. I did give it to spar. <laughs> it was there. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to take this buns. I did give my 10 rand. And as I got to the car, I saw, um, my dad looked at me and he said, where's the slip? I got cold. I said, they didn't give me a slip. They didn't. <laughs> It went on, it went on that, that he said, okay, but where's the change? And I said, they didn't give me change. And then he said, Danto's a problem. <laughs> he parked the car and he, and he walked in with me and he said, which cashier was the one that you bought your buns with? And I had to keep this act up. So I took my dad and I'm like, it was Ditani. <laughs> and... As I went up to the lady, as I went up to the lady, I, felt, I, I started to mumble, no, 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 Papa's DNA. And then we went to two or three cashiers, and I still remember where we walked. I was like, oh, my head, oh, my head, oh, my head. And we went to this cashier, and all of a sudden, an argument started to arise between my dad and this lady. And my dad is uh, quite a strong personality, so he said, um, where's the manager? They brought in the manager. There was an argument. This lady is stealing from my son because he wanted to buy the bun. She, did, she didn't even run it through the till or anything, give a slip. She took the change for herself, and there was a lot of maracas. I still remember a week or two later, I'm sitting, we, we lived on a farm just outside of town, and there was this lawyer lady sitting on our, our stoop, speaking to my parents. I'm sitting at the side, and she's explaining, this is the second time that this cashier is stealing from children. She's fired, it's sorted, thank you for reporting it. And I'm like, sure, amazing. Um, 
Why did I tell that story? <laughs> the thing is, when we are confronted with pressure, like I was as a little eight-year boy, like seven, eight people in a queue was a lot of pressure for me, and I folded. And I just in a moment made a bad mistake, and I stole. In that moment, I knew I stole. But my stealing didn't just stop there. It went on that I had to keep up something of lying to my parents. I had to keep it up to say, then I, then I lied to the cashier. I had to lie to the manager. And ultimately, it led to somebody getting fired unjustly, justly, unjustly. And something in me wanted to justify it because I said, yeah, but at least she, she did steal from somebody else. And sometimes that's the way our Christianity works. We fold once and like, oh, let's, let's just let it go throughout the holiday. Just let it go. There's going to come a time, and we justify it. There's going to come a time called January again. We're going to come back to Josh Jen. We're going to worship. We're going to go crazy, and all is going to be amazing again. But it wasn't, because each one needs to stand before the Lord alone. And we can't just because of a moment of weakness and a moment of dropping our guard, just let it go. So let's stay alert. I want to say that there's something in that has creeped into Christianity. And it's almost like the self-improvement gospel that we just want to be better. And then we approach a holiday. If I can only approach this holiday better than the previous one. If I can only not sin this, this holiday that much, then I'm fine. If I can just every day read a little bit of Bible, then I'm better than the previous time. But then we are so conscious of right, wrong, sinning, not sinning, that we forget the person we're sinning or not sinning against. It's about God. It's about Jesus. It's about an opportunity in this holiday season to take hold of Him, to love Him, to appreciate Him, to adore Him, to be with Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's not even about sinning or not sinning, although not sinning would be great because it brings a separation, but it's not primarily about that. It's about relationship. It's about Him. It's about following Christ. I heard this story um, about an elder in Paul congregation. Do we have some Paul friends here? Hello, hello. Tian, hello. Um, and Fritz van Jerden is his name. So Fritz was a Springbok rugby player. He's like three meters tall. Um, he's a very big human being. He's almost like Ulrich, but not. Um, and Fritz was asked once as a Springbok rugby player in one of the big rugby schools in our area to come and share his testimony of how he met Jesus, how he came to the Lord, and he shared everything, and at the end of it, they asked, can, can we open it up for Q&A? So he was standing, asking, they were asking a couple of questions, he was answering a couple of questions, and then there was this one matric boy that asked him, Wim, I have a friend that is struggling with smoking, and he can't break free. And all of a sudden, as he shared that, all of his friends started to giggle because they knew it was him. He wasn't asking for the friend. He was asking for himself. So he asked, 
this friend of mine can't break free, what advice would you give my friend to break free from uh, smoking? And everybody was waiting, anticipation, Springbok rugby player, man of God, what is he going to say in that moment? And he thought a little bit, and he looked at the boy, and he said, find something better. Just find something better. And what he meant ultimately is that everything and anything will never satisfy you, and you will always move on to the next bit, bigger thing and better thing, and then you'll leave that. And ultimately, he was pointing to Jesus, that we run to substitutes to satisfy our needs and this other lovers, but ultimately the only thing that will satisfy us is Christ and Jesus. And I want to encourage us that we will run to the better and not for the worse during this time and stay alert to say Christ is the hope of glory. I want to end off with um, Luke 15 that speaks about the prodigal son. The prodigal son is a story of two brothers and a father the one brother comes to his father and says, I would love my inheritance before the time, a.k.a. telling his dad, I will rather want you dead and I want your money. And we pick up the story just after he asked his dad for his inheritance. Luke 15, 13 says, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his Time, his property. So just put time in there with reckless living. He was given a portion of inheritance. And I think the greatest inheritance or the greatest gift that we are given is actually time. It's given to us. And this son squandered it with reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. I actually love that portion of Scripture because I do believe that he went into a time of having need. But aren't we actually always actually in a time that we are in need? We are always in a time that we need Jesus. There's never a time that we are actually not in need. But we don't realize it. So we take our inheritance, we take the time we have, and we just go for it and we use it as we wish and we try our best but we squander in a sense our time that we are given by God and then when after the holiday need comes and we're like oh, I'm in need I need Jesus again and I'm in a difficult place and it goes on to say in verse um, 17 the following but when he the brother or the younger son came to himself. When last have you came to yourself? You came to a place of just realizing in the place that you are at. I actually wanted to preach on something else that says, examine yourself. Test whether you are still in the faith. When do we come to realization again that, oh, I need Jesus? When last have you examined your life and said, God, I'm in a good place or not in a good place with you. And he did an examination of his life and he came to this realization that I am not in a good space. And I think it's so important to regularly 
examine ourselves to say, am I still in a great place with God? Am I still seeking Him like the first couple of days that I've gotten to know Him? And when He came to Himself, something happened. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? There was a realization that He made a mistake. And that is a great thing. We need to come to realization that we can make mistakes, okay? It is in the Bible. We need to at least just realize it, but it is there in the Bible. And then he said, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He came back. He came back. After a holiday, there will be a coming back. There will be a facing again reality. But he came back with a posture of actually being a slave. And what was the response of the father? And the father arose and, uh, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. I want to say the Bible speaks about in, in 1 John that if we sin, we have an advocate, the Holy Spirit, with the Father. There's somebody that stands in the gap for us. The heart of the Father is this, that when you come back, if you come back to him, you do not need to come with your tail between your legs. I'll just serve you when I get back after the holiday. I'll just, I, I won't miss a Sunday. I'll be at every community. I'll never miss one quiet time again. That's a tiresome thing to do if you've done that before. We try to work our way back to God. We try to earn our rightful place. And if I'm in a good place again and I have better Christianity, then I'm good before God. I feel good about myself. But the way of the kingdom and the way of the Father is this, that while you're still walking and even there far away, not even knowing how this thing is going to play out, he's running. He's chasing after you. He's coming after you and he's saying, my boy, my boy, my son, not a slave, not a person that needs to go sit in the corner, not somebody needs to earn their right back into family. You have a right because I'm your father. And I want to say that is the heart of God for each and every one of us, even during this holiday. God is desiring intimacy and relationship with us. He's de desiring this closeness, this love, this, this closeness that he speaks about in Scripture. And we can just be real with him. So even if in your heart there's a sense of anxiety for the holiday season, Bring it to him. If there's a sense of just, God, I don't know how this, this, this is going to play out. I didn't do well the previous time. Bring it to him. Others of you is like, Henry, what are you speaking about? Like, really? I, I always do well in holiday. Stay alert. Use the season, and may it be said that this is a season of opportunity. A season that when you come back, you grew in the Lord. 
that there's a sense of uh, when you get back into 2024, get back uh, into Stellenbosch, get back into your work environment, get back into just life, that there's something in your heart like, I've grown in God. I've taken hold of the promises of God. I've grown in intimacy. I know Christ better because of the time that he's given me. Amen. Let's stand. So this message was not meant to be a theological exposition on the Bible, but just one simple phrase, stay alert. Just stay alert. Just stay alert during this time and take hold of everything that Christ has taken hold of us for. I want to pray for us. Let's close our eyes. I shared a story um, in the middle of uh, the Springbok rugby player. That he spoke to that little boy and said, just find something better. <laughs> and he was speaking about Jesus. I want to say, you might have come to visit here and seen this crazy bunch of people lying literally on the floor before God. And there might have been a, a sense of, this is strange. But I cannot deny that there's something real in these people's hearts. I cannot deny that there's something of truth and family and love and warmth in this room. So the first group I want to, before I move on and speak to the rest of us, if you're here and you have never found the better, you've never found Jesus, you might call yourself a Christian, you might even grow, have grown up in a Christian family and have done all the right things up till now, but you've never experienced a living relationship with him. Would you respond in this moment? Because God is calling. He's extending an invitation. Just like the father ran to the son, he's running to you and saying, come my girl, come my boy, you're mine, you're mine. So I want to ask if you are standing here, all eyes closed, if that's you, would you just in some way, shape or form indicate that you would like to respond to that? If you've never come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then secondly, I want to ask, you might still be in the faith, but are you still in the fight? You might be tired you might be looking at the holiday season. It's like, Henry, this is a big hill. This is a big hill in front of me. If there's something of that and that you are going back into difficult circumstances, if you're going back and just feeling, in a sense, numb when it comes to the holiday, if there's some things that you're nervous about, or even if it's just there's a lot of question marks in your heart, would you raise your hand? We'd love to pray with you just for this season. And what I want to do is the people around these people, let's pray for one another quickly and then just trust that there would be something happening in their hearts in this moment because we, do, we can't go into isolation. 
And then can I ask that we respond with one more song for those that are not around somebody. As we pray, we can, the rest of us can sing, and then we're going to close the service from there. Um,